Welcome to the first episode of the Fantasy MD Podcast. Today is Monday, July 2nd, and I am your host, Dan Ronan, joined with my co-host, Mike Bowling. We thank you for joining us and hope you continue to do so. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FantasyMD or FantasyMDPod. I'll send it over now to Mike Bowling to see what we have on the docket for today. All right, so today is going to be part one of our top positional ranking series where we're going to go through our top ranked quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. We're going to be kicking it off today starting at the quarterback position. And the way this is going to work is myself and Dan, we're each going to discuss our top 12 at the position. And we're going to go into some further detail about some players that we might have ranked differently. So to start it off, I'll pass it over to Dan, where I think we have the same top-ranked player. Yes, that's true. We start off right at number one, Aaron Rodgers. He's the baddest man in football, and he wasn't there last year down the stretch. So he's going to come right back and dominate the NFL yet again. He'll have a full season this year. I'm not worried about Jordy Nelson not being there. I think Devonta Adams is going to step in lovely to that role. And there's not much that has to be said about Aaron Rodgers. That's why we both got him ranked number one. So I'll pass it on to you with our number two guy, where we both also agree. At uh, number two, we both have Russell Wilson. The guy, he's proven it time and time again. Last year, he was the quarterback one from week seven on. During that time period, he outscored Big Ben, who was the quarterback two, 250 to 186 fantasy points. The guy was just on fire in the second half of last year, and he's finished in the top 12 every year since entering the league in 2012. So if you're going to be putting higher draft capital in a quarterback, that's exactly what you're looking for. You want to get a guy that you know is going to do it year in and year out. Again, he has three top five finishes, and he's only finished outside of the top 10 once, and that was when he finishes the quarterback 11 in 2016. So again, it just doesn't get much safer than that as our second quarterback off the board with Russell Wilson. Moving on to number three. At number three, we have a disparity, I believe. My third-ranked player is Tom Brady. And for myself, I actually have Cam Newton. Talk about Cam, and then I'll talk a little about, about Tom. Cam Newton, I mean, since entering the league in 2011, he's finished as the quarterback three, four, three, 17, one, 17, and he finishes the quarterback two last year. The guy puts up tons of value from his rushing yards, averaging almost 40 rushing yards per game, and he's never scored less than five rushing touchdowns per season. The only thing that kind of concerns me about Cam Newton is he only averages about 22 passing touchdowns per season, which is pretty low, but he's going right in the sixth or seventh round right now. So that's definitely somewhere where I would consider taking him, even though I typically consider waiting on quarterback and I definitely like the pickups in the draft of DJ Moore and Olsen returning this year is going to be I think huge for Cam's fantasy value yeah I like Cam I have him right behind Tom Brady before I get to that Tom Brady at number three I'll keep that just as short as I kept Aaron Rodgers there's only one thing you guys say about Tom Brady and that's G-O-A-T that's <laughs> GOAT baby he's the best there is he's the best that's ever played the game and honestly, no matter how old he gets, he'll always be the best. What he's doing in the league, we're lucky to be watching it, in my opinion. And I'm not even a Patriots fan. So that's all I have to say about Tom. At four, we also, I believe, disagree. You'll talk about Drew Brees. I'll talk a little comment about Cam Newton. The best thing about Cam, in my opinion, for a fantasy factor is he does it all. The run game, I can't stress enough how much I look for that when I'm drafting my fantasy team. I love quarterbacks that can get the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns. 
typically more points in most leagues, the rushing touchdowns. So Cam Newton, number four. You can talk about your guy at number four. At number four, I have Drew Brees. He finishes the quarterback nine in 2017. And a lot of people felt like he kind of busted for their team. And that was his worst finish in fantasy in the last 10 years. Last year, he only finished as a top 10 quarterback four times in the entire season. Definitely want to see those numbers go up. But he did have the highest completion percentage of all time in 2017. He really did have a great statistical season. And the only thing that was really down for him was his touchdowns. I think we're going to see that regress back to the mean a little bit. And before we round out our top five with our last few guys here, I do just want to say that all of these guys, we're really nitpicking against all of them. I think myself and Dan, we both think that they can easily finish as the quarterback one or two at the position. So we're just nitpicking with these guys here. Yeah, to piggyback off that, I have it labeled here. It's a little side note that I'll tell you guys. The top six guys, really, in my opinion, are just the top tier guys. Obviously, we're going to get to five and six in just a second. But any of these guys, and not that the back five of the top ten or whatever is not as good, but one through six, in my opinion is just top tier guys you know they're going to produce for your team you lock them into your lineup you stream the one week that they're on the bye as long as they don't get injured that's a top scoring position for your team every week week in and week out so yeah i would have to agree top guys really really we're just nitpicking here so who do you have at number five five i got drew Brees. i think people are a little sleepy on drew Brees. Just because he had his worst statistical season last year. Really, I just don't think the run game is going to be as good. That's going to be a big problem for the Saints this year. Their run game was historically good. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's still be one of the better in the league. But I just think Drew Brees is going to have to take some of that weight that Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram took off last year. He's going to have to take some of it back. So that's why I think he's a top guy. But I could see why people are a little sleepy on him. Of course, and just to round out my top five, I have Brady at number five, so not much of a difference between all of our top five rankings here. Just like Dan said, the guy's the GOAT. The Patriots have been a top 10 scoring offense since 2004. The last time that they weren't was 2003, and they were the 11th highest scoring offense in the league. I mean, what more do you need to hear? The guy does it time and time again. I know he's getting up there in age, but he proves us wrong every single year as we try and doubt him. So I'm not even going to bother betting again, <laughs> betting against Brady and the Patriots this year. So we'll move right on to number six. This is where we have a little bit of a disparity again. I have Carson Wentz. He runs out my top tier guys, like I said, top six guys. Carson Wentz was true MVP form last year. He could have won MVP with the injury, in my opinion, with mm-hmm. how well he played. He not only carried his team, he gives you rushing yards, he's an accurate passer, big playability, short passes. The offense is good, the offensive line is good. The defense plays complimentary football, so what's there not to love about Carson Wentz? I don't know. I I get that he's coming off an injury, and that makes it a little worrisome. You know, you don't know how he's going to be completely healed up, but what I will say is he's not a sheer mobile quarterback, so his sneaky athleticism should still be okay because he didn't rely on top-end speed anyway. He wasn't a guy who was just burning past you. He was he's sneaky athletic in a in a way. Mm-hmm. He's fast and he's shifty and he can move and you just don't expect it from a quarterback position. And that's what his best asset is, is extending the play, not necessarily his rush ability. So, yeah, Carson Wentz, number six. Coming in at number six for me, I put Kirk Cousins. And I know that he was a little bit inconsistent in 2017, but he still managed to finish as the quarterback six. And just since 2015, he finished as the quarterback eight, the, two, the quarterback five. And as I mentioned last year, the quarterback six, he's had over 4,000 yards and over 25 touchdowns in the last three seasons. So I definitely think we can expect that 
to continue, he is moving to a better team now, much better offense. And I love his schedule opening the year. He opens with San Francisco, Green Bay, Buffalo, and he ends the season, which I know is way early to be looking at fantasy playoff times, but he does end with Seattle, Miami, and Detroit. I know that there are definitely concerns. He's on a better team now, so he may be asked to do a little bit less, but he's one of the most efficient passers in the league. So I think he'll be able to make the most of his opportunity now that he has Thielen and Diggs and Rudolph at his disposal. Moving on to you. Uh, My number seven coming in, Deshaun Watson. Um, He was on fire last year. He was the best player while he was playing, undoubtedly. 19.5 fantasy points per game for the five-game stretch that he had, or seven-game stretch, whatever it was. He was lights out. He can run. He can throw the ball. Obviously, he's got one of the best wide receivers in the game in DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller is a nice deep threat, very fast burner type guy. I love what he does by stretching the field. So, I like his weapons. I like his athleticism and what he can do as a passer. He produced in a short time last year, and I know that's the argument against him, how short it was. But that short time frame, he was on pace for just short of 5,000 yards and 58 touchdowns. That, that would have been one of the best rookie seasons of all time, if not the best. So Deshaun Watson, number seven, right outside my top tier guys because I think there's a little question mark there. We know he's young. He's coming off an injury. He doesn't have too much volume of work behind him. But in my opinion, he's a superstar in the waiting, and he could be sky's the limit for Deshaun Watson. I am a little bit lower on Deshaun Watson than you, although I could see him finishing much higher than where I have him, but I'll touch on him in a little bit. Coming in at number seven for me is actually Matthew Stafford. Since 2011, he's finished as the quarterback five, 11, seven, 15, nine, seven, and again, seven last year. In 2017, he didn't finish one game outside of the top 24 at the position, so there's really not a ton of upside for Matthew Stafford, but he's super consistent. You know he's going to be right around 4,000 yards, mid-20 touchdowns. And just to elaborate on that, he's had seven consecutive seasons with 4,000 or more yards. And again, I love looking at early season schedules for players. And he actually opens the season with the New York Jets, San Francisco 49ers, New England Patriots, Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers. He goes on his bye in week six, and then he comes back against the Miami Dolphins and the Seattle Seahawks. So I love that early season schedule for him. He's currently going as the quarterback 15 off the board in the ninth round. I think that's a steal to get that kind of value that late in the draft. Again, he's not the guy that's going to win you your week, but you know, I don't think it gets much safer than that. And you can stack some quality running backs, wide receivers, even tight ends while you're waiting on Stafford. In all seriousness, guys, I can't even lie. Me and Mike have been friends for a long time. We've been in a lot of fantasy leagues together. I'm surprised he doesn't have Matthew Stafford ranked one. I think I've seen (laughs) Matthew Stafford on his team in multiple championships. I am a little bit lower on him. I'll talk about him a little bit later, but I'm surprised Mike doesn't have him right up at number one. We were actually joking the other day just about how he doesn't provide that ton of upside, but he's just the safe guy. He's the guy when he shows up to your barbecue, he just has a bag of ice, you know, something you always need at a barbecue. If you're grilling burgers and you got to step away, you know he's there to just man the grill for you while you're taking a few moments off. You know, he's going to clean up after himself. He probably recycles all the time. He's, he's just as safe as it gets. So, yeah, I love Matthew Stafford. But for that lack of upside, I have him at number seven. Can't see him finishing much higher than that. But moving on to number eight, I actually have Carson Wentz here. 
So I'm not really going to discuss him too much. I could see him finishing higher than number eight. I know a lot of people have him higher. I just think his 7.5% touchdown rate in 2017 makes him a clear regression candidate. But it also could make him in line for a top five fantasy season at the quarterback position. So not going to speak too much on him there. Who do you have at number eight, Dan? At number eight, I have Andrew Luck. I'm, not, I'm going to touch on him quick because I know Love he's it. your guy. So I'm going to let you talk about him in a little bit. But, yeah, I have him even a little bit higher than you, even though he's your guy. And that's all for this, just sheer his potential. We know you don't know, know what's going on with the injury. That's obviously a huge risk. you got to mon- monitor that as the season comes up. The only problem is I get the injury, but his upside is just too great. He can be a top-five quarterback. Mm-hmm. He has the potential. We've seen him do it. We were debating if he was a top-five guy in the NFL before he got injured. In my opinion, with where he's going, I think you can find great value in him in a draft because he does offer you the top five upside. I'll let you touch more on him in a little bit, but for me, it's just his ceiling is should be really yeah. high. Moving on to number nine, I'll just touch on why I have him a little bit lower. I have Kirk Cousins, a guy that you were really high on. I love Kirk Cousins, actually. I think he is... From a football standpoint, in a better position to succeed as far as championships, and he's on the Vikings now, which is let's just be honest, a little bit of a better roster than, than just what, a little bit. Than, than what the <laughs> that Redskins was had. that was very polite of you. <laughs> a little bit of a better <laughs> roster. <laughs> I like I, I like to be fair, and I think all teams got a chance. But Vikings are definitely a favorite in the NFC. They got a strong defense. They got a strong offensive cast, and now they have a quarterback that. Wakes up and throws for 4,000 yards with his eyes closed. Yeah. He's doing it every year that he's been a starter. He waited patiently for that spot, and he ran with it after he got it. That's why he got paid the way he did this offseason. The only thing that I will say is the reason why I have him a little bit lower than you is because I think that team is so good that he's not going to be asked to do as much as he is. I think you might literally see his worst statistical season as far as yards and touchdowns maybe, and maybe even uh, interceptions, but not so much as far as success, he's going to be a great football player this year. I have him a little bit lower because I'm not so sure that that's going to translate into a great fantasy output. Still top 10. I just don't see, you know, with Dalvin Cook coming back and a strong run game there and a strong defense that he's going to output as much as he did when he was shouldering such a wide load. Moving on to my number nine player. I have Ben Roethlisberger, and again, this is just another guy that he shows us time and time again that he has the ability to put up huge seasons. Last year, it may not have felt like it if he was on your fantasy teams. He was actually the quarterback 28 from weeks 1 to 8 in 2017, as I'm sure you guys know, there's only 32 teams in the NFL, so that is awful. However, he was the quarterback one in points per game from week 10 on last season. I think that the upside is definitely there. He showed us at the end of last year that he can still put up those elite numbers. However, I do have him a little bit lower because I also saw the first half of last season. So it all depends on what Big Ben we're going to get in 2018. And it's definitely worth noting that he hasn't played 16 games since 2014. In 2014, when he did play 16 games, he finishes the quarterback five. So we definitely know that that huge ceiling is there, but we also know he could be the quarterback 28. On the bright side of that, though, he's going in the 10th round. You're not putting too much equity in that pick. If he does bust, you can just go stream quarterbacks and hopefully cut your losses there. He's in the double-digit rounds where you'll touch on it later, where we find it most appropriate to draft a quarterback. 
I actually don't have him in my top 12. I'll just say it's because of the inconsistency. We know that he has he struggles on the road, and we know that he doesn't play full seasons. That's that's my only knock against him. I think he's a top-flight quarterback, and he could easily be you know in the top 12. He just falls just outside of mine. We'll move on to our number 10 pick. For me, it's Matthew Stafford, who I honestly feel disrespectful talking about i feel like he's yours you know right. you know what i'm saying i feel like matt stafford is yours so i don't even get to like talk don't even, about don't him. even look at <laughs> i will say sorry again it's kind of like the kirk cousins I, I think matt stafford for a long time has been shown during a wide load on the lines offense that is they move up in the second round to get carry on johnson a rookie running back who yeah we've heard about this before with amir abdullah this and that amir abdullah is a little small let's be honest he's not the same stature as Carry on Johnson, who is a six-one back. He's can shoulder the load. He can play all three downs. He can pass block. He can catch. He can run. I watched him a little bit at Auburn. I like his game. I just think from standpoint of trying to better the whole team, his statistical categories might hit see a little hit there. And and honestly, at this point in his career, I think it's better for him anyway. I think he's looking for that championship, looking mm-hmm. for a ring. He's always been in the conversation of a fringe playoff quarterback. And I think he's got to try to make that step. I alluded to Julio Jones. His best statistical season, 18, 1,900 yards, whatever it was, and double-digit touchdowns, was the Atlanta Falcons' worst successful season since he's been with them. Now that he's not as productive, Atlanta's so great. And honestly, I think it's really because they're benefited by not forcing him the ball all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean. The teams are trying to improve and not put so much weight on one player. It's not against anything about they're not good as good as they were before. It's just having to do a lot less. Yeah, and just to talk a little smack about my boy behind his back, it does look like that's the direction the Lions want to go in. They also brought on McGarrett Blunt. They improved the offensive line. I love the carry-on Johnson signing. Kind of looks like that's the way that they're moving. My number 10 quarterback is my boy, Andrew Luck. Um, I am a Colts fan, so I try not to be biased here. I kept him at number 10. We haven't really seen him at full strength yet. Obviously, as the offseason progresses, if we see him play some downs, especially in preseason games, I'll definitely be moving him up. But besides the obvious injury concerns, he's finished as a top four quarterback three times since 2013. 2016, the guy had 346 attempts for 4,240 yards and 21 touchdowns in 15 games. During that season, he finishes a top 12 quarterback 73% of the time. This is another guy. I have seen him go like in the 8th, ninth rounds, but more often when I'm doing my mock drafts, I see him going in the 10th, late 10th, early 11th rounds. I think for that kind of upside, a guy who, if he is fully healthy and he is going to come back and return to form, a guy that could finish, I think, in the top three at the position. Moving on to number 11, I actually have Phillip Rivers here. It was hard keeping him out of my top 10, I'm not going to lie. He finishes the quarterback eight in 2017, and he's only finished outside of the top 10 twice in the last 10 years. That was in 2016 and 2012. But last year, he had 11 top 12 performances, and that's the same number as Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. I mean, the guy averaged 12.4 yards per completion, which was the third highest in the league. He threw for 4,514 yards, which was the second highest in the league. And he hasn't missed a game since 2006. So, I mean, when you factor all of that in, we're getting a second year out of Mike Williams. They have the deep threats, Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin. You can't forget about Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, who I really like as a pass catcher. You know, I know he lost Hunter Henry, but I think Mike Williams is right in line to fill that void and be a huge red zone threat. Obviously, we don't like to talk about 
players getting injured and missing their entire season like Hunter Henry. But I think this is a huge opportunity for Mike Williams to really step in and establish himself in that offense. Yeah, I could agree. I went a little different here on these last two. My 11 guy is Matt Ryan. I know he doesn't crack your top 12. To me, I really think he's being vastly underrated. I would say it. I am a Falcons fan. I understand that. But if you look at what he did in 2016, not just 2017, 2016 MVP, best statistical season. Yeah, they had a down year. I also remember in 2015 when Kyle Shanahan had, was his first season with the team and Matt Ryan didn't have such a hot season and everybody wanted Kyle Shanahan now. Everybody wanted to fire everybody. And if you give these coordinators a chance, find out what they're working with as far as their players on the team. They got to adapt to the game. They, a lot has to come. The players have to learn the systems. Matt will be better this year, no doubt. The weapons are undeniable. Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, both run as good and catch as good as any any back in, in the NFL. You got Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, Julio Jones, Austin Hooper at tight end, strong offensive line. They're set up for success on offense, and Matt's going to be the facilitator. I think, you know, guys like Julio and Sanu and Ridley and Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman are going to be hard to own in, in fantasy because you're not going to know who's going to get it this year. The ball is going to be spread around. But that means that's good for Matt Ryan, not so good for everybody else. But, yeah, that's why he cracks, cracks my top 12 and number 11. Awesome. Who do you have at number 12? Do you want to round that out real quick? 12, I have Mariota. Again, Mariota just cracks my top 12 because I like the running aspect of quarterbacks. I think that's huge in fantasy. That's like the only thing I can talk about with Marcus Mariota because we've kind of been waiting for him to break out, and he's never really had that season, and mm-hmm. it's like we've been waiting. Same thing as James Winston. Mariota, at least he gives you that running factor. He can run run it in at the goal line. He run, runs in the open field. He's mobile. The rushing yards, the rushing touchdowns, they're a little bit of a safer bet in fantasy football. That's why Mariota cracks my top 12. Yeah, and to round out my top 12, I have Deshaun Watson, which I know I'm a little low on him compared to what a lot of people, where a lot of people are ranking him. And I know what he did last year was incredible. As Dan mentioned before, he was on pace for almost 5,000 yards and 58 touchdowns, which is absurd. But I spoke about Carson Wentz before and how I thought his 7.5 touchdown rate was unsustainable. Well, Deshaun Watson had a 9.3% touchdown rate in 2017. Keep in mind, the league average is 4.3%. So I definitely think we're in line for a ton of regression from him. He do, he is returning from the ACL tear, which honestly doesn't scare me as much as it might have a few years ago. We see guys return from ACL tears and they return to form pretty well. He got injured early enough. He should be right at or near um, 100%, especially by the time the season's starting. So I think he is in line for a great season. I could definitely see him finishing as a top five quarterback. But just for the uncertainty, and there's a bunch of guys that I would take over him for that safety net that I want at quarterback. I have him in my top 12. And there is one more player that I would like to discuss who was in my top 12. However, due to some recent news coming out of the NFL, Jameis Winston, he has been suspended for the first three games of the season. And this news has actually caused me to drop him quite a bit in my rankings. He went from my quarterback 12 to my quarterback 27. 
I just think, honestly, in redraft leagues, he's pretty much undraftable at this point. Maybe if you play in a two-quarterback super flex league, you might want to grab him because I think he, he does have some great upside when he returns. Just a little bit about the fantasy implications that this has for the Buccaneers. I think it's especially bad for the tight ends. I'm expecting Ryan Fitzpatrick to start during those three games. He doesn't target the tight ends nearly as much as Jameis Winston does. So something to keep in mind regarding Cameron Bray and OJ Howard. As far as... Mike Evans, this really doesn't change my outlook on him too much. We'll talk about him a little bit more on the wide receivers episode, but I think he's still going to be a pretty high-end option at the position. It's unfortunate what's going on with him because I do like him. I couldn't draft him. We've been waiting for him to break out. He hasn't really broken out. He hasn't really given us what we've been looking for from him. And it's not that he doesn't produce, but it's just like the high interception number kind of cancels out because that's what quarterbacks are all about. They're all about net. It's all about the the difference. Too many of them, you know, they're good quarterbacks that can throw for 4,000 yards, but if you're throwing for 4,000 yards and 20 interceptions, you're not netting many points. Somebody with a good completion percentage like Kirk Cousins, he throws for 4,000 yards, but that 4,000 yards means something because he's not throwing a lot of interceptions. But hopefully, if you do grab him in the last couple rounds, maybe he could be a sleeper when he comes back. I'd just be worried that the Bucks themselves would kind of be a down-and-out team in such a strong division. It's going to be hard to battle back from arguably an 0-3 start if you see the gauntlet that they face to begin with. In their division, I think I would put them as the fourth team, even with a full season of Winston. He is giving you 4,000 yards a year. He's the first three, four years of his career. He's the only guy to throw for 4,000 yards ever his yeah. the NFL to throw for 4,000 yards in his first like three or four seasons. I mean, he's producing. Don't get me wrong. And he's playing decent football. He's just not playing mistake-free football. And it's really cost his teams. From a football standpoint, it's hard to win games that way when you're giving away the ball. It's hard to win games. And it kind of sh- shadows the fact that like he has been pretty good. Like He's been yeah, I think it's more of a above average for a, begin- for a beginner quarterback, for a rookie quarterback, and obviously like a newer quarterback in the league. Don't get me wrong. He's got plenty of time to keep learning the game. That's the advantage of the quarterback position, the lifespan of it as far as football is concerned. But he's not going to be able to break through that this year where he's already going to be off to such a rough, rocky start. Especially when, like we said, during suspension, you're not doing anything with the team. You're not talking to them. You're not working out with them. I'm sure he's going to be, he's a professional athlete. He's staying in shape on his own. But you can't substitute time with the team. Before we move on, we actually have some fan requests that we want to address but just to finish out on quarterbacks I know Dan mentioned way earlier in the podcast that we both believe that waiting till the double digit rounds or near the double digit rounds is the way to go when drafting your quarterback and uh, real quick I just wanted to touch on the top 10 drafted quarterbacks from last season this is based off of ADP so we started off with Aaron Rodgers who ended the season injured Tom Brady who finishes the quarterback three Drew Brees quarterback nine Matt Ryan quarterback 16 Russell Wilson quarterback one Derek Carr quarterback 19 Jameis Winston quarterback 22 Marcus Mario quarterback 18, Cam Newton, quarterback 2, and Kirk Cousins, quarterback 6. That's five of the top 10 drafted quarterbacks last season didn't finish in the top 10 at the position, while Carson Wentz, who was the 18th quarterback off the board in the 12th round, finished as the 5th quarterback. Alex Smith, who was the 22nd quarterback off the board in the 14th round, finished as the 4th quarterback. Deshaun Watson, he was the 23rd quarterback off the board in the 14th round. We know what he did last year while he was healthy. Phillip Rivers was the 13th quarterback off the board, finished as the quarterback 8. And Matthew Stafford, my boy, as mentioned before, 
was the 15th quarterback off the board in the 10th round, finished as the QB7. And looking at some stats from last year, 43 different quarterbacks had weeks where they finished in the top 12 at the position. Obviously, we're counting guys like C.J. Beathard stepping in for a week here and there, and don't want to really rely on that. I do recommend drafting a quarterback that you feel safe with, but that does go to show you that if you do wait on a quarterback, there is streaming potential, and you could get return value by taking guys later and switching them out as needed to play the matchups while you're taking higher quality running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends earlier on in the draft. Yeah, the number one thing that you got to look at always when drafting is value. So I couldn't agree more. Obviously, by waiting on a quarterback and getting somebody who's going to give you a little bit more value as opposed to reaching get somebody who, yeah, you picked in the top five, they finish in the top five, that's great. But like you said, you win leagues by drafting a guy 15th, quarterback off the board and he finishes seventh yeah that's how you win your league because you know you didn't spend a lot of equity on that guy and you got great value so before we wrap up our first ever episode and before we wrap up most of our episodes we're going to be trying to engage the fans you guys the listeners the people as much as possible when you guys interact with us on instagram twitter and facebook or whatever other sites we have at fantasy md pod or just search fantasy md it'll come up you'll find us when you guys interact with us we'll be answering your questions and shouting you out here so we're gonna start out with alec from instagram he asked us to talk about the 49ers you lucked out today alec i'm gonna start off I'm going to keep it a little bit more football-oriented. My friend Mikey is obviously going to go over the fantasy implications more. The 49ers, I like everything they got going for them. I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan fan. I have them at around 9-7, and seven, a little bit better than an A&A record, and I do think it's difficult for them to be much better than that just because they do have some tough games here and there. The NFC is loaded, not necessarily the NFC West, but the NFC is loaded. So, yeah, I think besides the Rams in that division, I do have the 49ers second in that division. With Richard Sherman leaving and you don't really know what's going on with Thomas in Seattle, I think that team's going to regress a little bit. I'm not as worried about the Cardinals. So, really, between the Rams and the 49ers, they're going to compete for the division. With everything they have going for them, they can honestly compete for that. I'm not buying in completely to the Jimmy Garoppolo hype. But I do believe he can be a solid quarterback, and if you're not relying on him, you'll limit his mistakes and you'll be able to win games. Of course, I do think he has a lot of potential, so sporadically he will give you those big plays and those big games, and that's how you'll play to his strengths. And I think Kyle Shanahan's just the guy to do that. I'll talk about Kyle Shanahan a little bit. He dominates the run game. So Jarek McKinnon, guys, this is alert for him. Keep him on your radar. Shanahan, since he's been here in the league, he's worked with Arian Foster, dominating the NFL, Isaiah Crowell, and Duke Johnson tandem, dominated the NFL, Alfred Morris, when he was there, dominated the NFL, he had uh, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, they dominated under Kyle Shanahan, so he just knows how to get the run game going, and the way he does that, for the guys who really want to hone in on your football knowledge, he runs this 21 technique, which is what my personal favorite thing that he does, it's real genius, you take a real versatile fullback and running back that's your two and your one tight end that's your 21 two one two running backs one tight end so you take your two running backs versatile fullback Kyle Juszczyk versatile running back Jarek McKinnon and your tight end probably Kittle and what you do is you come out in eye formation it looks like you're gonna run so they stack the box right before the play you have Garoppolo drop back you spread out your versatile assets 
as wide receivers. One of those guys, more than likely, if they're playing the run originally, are going to end up on a linebacker. McKinnon or Juszczyk on a linebacker is a mismatch. You're going to take that all day. Once teams catch on to you, you come out in the same formation wide, and you suck them in, and they don't have enough guys to carry the box, and you can run right up the middle. It's a great strategy. It's pick your poison. It's smart, intelligent offense. You have to rely on Jimmy Garoppolo reading plays correctly. But if Garoppolo and Shanahan are on the same page, the strategy works flawlessly. And on the defensive side, I like what they've done. Obviously, bring in Sherman. We all know about Richard Sherman and what he brings to the table. Akilah Weatherspoon has been a great prospect for them since they drafted him. Obviously, Ruben Foster, I'm excited to see with all the drama that went on. And he obviously came away pretty clean. He's going to be manning the middle for San Fran. That I'm excited to see. And that front seven, uh, I mean, that front four that they created is really strong with Salman Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Sheldon Day. They're going to be able to pressure and stop the run with those four guys. Foster will run all out over the field. You'll have Sherman and Witherspoon covering. If the defense plays complementary to what Kyle Shanahan can do with the offensive weapons they have and schematically, the 49ers will be okay. And that 9-7 and seven can look upward. Maybe you will get the double digits wins if you can steal one game or here or there. And then if you could do that, arguably make the playoffs. So things are looking good. I'm not saying that they're definitely in it this year automatically because the NFC is so super strong, but it's definitely a possibility. So with that, uh, that's my recap of the San Francisco 49ers outlook for this season and their whole team. Mike will talk about their fantasy outlook. I'm going to start by saying, damn, uh, my co-host here just broke down that whole team. That was super impressive. Definitely some awesome insights into the 49ers and what they're going to be looking to do this year under Kyle Shanahan. As far as the fantasy impact of these players goes, I'll start at the top with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like Dan said, he's not really buying into the hype. I'm not so much either. I think I have him out of my top 15 quarterbacks at the position, and I'm not doubting the talent there with Garoppolo. But in 2017, he only had one top 10 finish. I know it was a small sample size, but in what we saw from him, he looked like a solid NFL quarterback. But for fantasy purposes, I haven't really seen it. The touchdowns weren't there for him. And he's going in the seventh round. And I think there's a lot of guys who are much safer than him going way later than Jimmy G. Moving on to his running back, Jarek McKinnon. Like Dan said, definitely keep this guy on your radar. Under Kyle Shanahan in 2015, running backs received 138 targets from the quarterback. In 2016, there were 105 targets split between Tevin Coleman, and Devonta Freeman. And in 2017, the 49ers had the third highest targets to running backs in the league. So you know this guy's going to utilize his running backs, especially in the passing game. So if you're playing in a half point or full point PPR format, you know that Jarek McKinnon should be in line for a pretty good workload. Oh, also with McKinnon, they really, I know they have Matt Bereda. Um I know some people might be kind of high on him, but I'm not sold on Bereda's talent. I think McKinnon is the superior running back. And they didn't draft anybody. They brought in McKinnon. They seems like that's the guy that they're going to be committing to in 2018. Moving on to the wide receivers, I'm just going to touch on Pierre Garçon here because that's one guy that I'm actually a little high on. He's my wide receiver 24. That is kind of high for Pierre Garçon. He's never finished inside the top 22 at the position in his 10 seasons. And he's only played a full 16 games, five out of his 10 seasons in the NFL. So clearly his 
historical data doesn't really support him finishing in the top 24. It doesn't look very promising, but I do think he seems to be pretty healthy right now going into the 2018 season, and he should be the number one target in what's an improved offense with Kyle Shanahan coming in, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing him the ball. I don't think the touchdowns will be there for him, but again, if you're playing in a PPR format, the number one target in a Kyle Shanahan offense, Jimmy G's throwing him the ball. I think he's going to be in line for a ton of receptions. Moving on from there, the last guy that I really want to touch on is George Kittle, the tight end. And I love Kittle's talent, again, combined with the potential of Jimmy Garoppolo. Even though I'm not projecting Garoppolo as a top fantasy quarterback, I do think he's going to be able to support some quality pass catchers on that offense. My only issue with Kittle is that they did draft two rookie wide receivers. They took Dante Pettis in the second round and Richie James in the seventh round. I think maybe we won't see Richie James too much, but I think Dante Pettis should be in line for a decent amount of work in that 49ers offense. Again, we have a healthy Pierre Garçon. So although I do think that George Kittle is somebody to keep your eye on, I don't think he's worth drafting, especially in redraft leagues. But if you're going to go the streaming tight end route, if you don't get one of those top guys, your Gronkowski, Ertz, Kelsey, Olsen, uh, maybe a few other guys in there, I think you will be streaming at tight end, or I think that's the way to go. So he might be somebody to keep your eye on, play the matchups, and uh, I think you'll be pretty happy with what you get on certain weeks from George Kittle. So that's our wrap-up on the 49ers. Alec, if you had questions, we pretty much touched the whole team. So we hope we answered them for you. To everybody else, thank you for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We appreciate the support that you guys are already flowing, flowing our way. But guess what, guys? This is Just to Begin, Episode 1. Thank you guys so much. Again, we're so appreciative of everyone that's followed our pages so far. If you're not already a follower, make sure you're checking us out at Fantasy MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're going to be posting tons of content. We're doing stat of the days where we're focusing on interesting stats from around the league using historical data that are hopefully going to give you further insights into the NFL and further insights into the fantasy football season, which is quickly approaching. So definitely stay with us. This is only part one of our top positional ranking episodes. So definitely be on the lookout for running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. That's all we have for you today, guys. Thank you again for tuning in and see you on the next episode.